0: My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking, or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Um, This week, we're wrapping up our series looking at the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. Um, We've been using it as a roadmap for our own lives for when we end up in those times where we found ourselves, whether intentionally or unintentionally, having wandered away or perhaps stormed away from God's will for our lives. The story of the prodigal son goes something like this. There's a very rich man, and one of his sons has decided that he's tired of waiting for the next chapter in his life to begin. The chapter without his dad there, watching over him, holding him accountable, and in line with what his father thinks is right. And so he comes to his dad, and he says, look, no offense or anything, don't take this the wrong way but I know that one day you're going to die. And when you die, you're going to be leaving me all kinds of money and possessions and stuff like that. Anyway, can we just jump to that? Can we just, can we just take a couple steps forward? You don't actually have to die, but could we act as if you have? And you could just give me everything that I've got coming then. You could give it to me now and and his father gives him everything he asks for his father says sure okay son I'll be dead to you here's all the stuff that would come if I was dead and the son gets what he wants and he goes out and he lives his life his way His priorities, his choices, his destiny. None of that pesky meddling dad telling him what's right and wrong. Just whatever I want. And it turns out that after a little while, after a while of living his life the way he wanted to live it. Living life on his own terms. His life became everything or it was not anything that he thought it would be. His life became everything that he, he had not considered. He ran through all of the money. He lost all of the friends that the money got him. All the good times were now over. And he found himself poor, friendless, broken, bound, and bankrupt working on a pig farm. But it's not just that he's got a job on a pig farm and somehow for the son of a rich man, that that a job like that, well, that's just too beneath him for his status and his purpose. But he has come to a point in his life where he looks at the pigs that he is tasked with caring for them, and he finds himself jealous. He finds himself looking at the pigs And saying, man, if only I could eat some of that. He finds himself jealous of the pigs he's there to take care of. And this is the moment that that we sort of settled into at the beginning of of our time and looking at this parable. This moment where where we come to this place of understanding that, that what we thought we were doing isn't what we're doing. Where we thought... This is not how I thought this would be. This would not be what I had envisioned for my life or this time. See, many of us can relate to the first part of the story. We can grow tired and weary of some of the things that God has called us to do and to be. And consciously or subconsciously, we decide, I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to live the way my father wants me to live. I'd rather not forgive. I'd rather not love. I'd rather not be kind. I'd rather not be generous. I'd rather get to make my own choices. Do my own thing. Drink that. Take that. Sleep with that. Lie about that. Be jealous of that. Whatever it may be, decide, you know, this whole doing what my dad told me to do thing, I'm tired of it. And I'd rather do something else. I'd rather live like maybe dad's not around anymore. Live like maybe dad's not so in control But we come to a place where where, we're after chasing all of this, where we make this decision, I'm going to live different, and we chase after all the things that we think will bring us a future, will bring us a hope, will bring us happiness, will bring us joy. As we chase after all of these things, we come to a place where we discover that not only did that not happen, but we're actually worse off now than we were when we made the choice to make ourselves better. We find ourselves stuck in the mud, jealous of the pigs. And we talked about what the mud of life looks like. We get stuck in our brokenness, in our heartbreak, in our hurt, and in our pain. And we get stuck in our bondage, the things that cause us to be held where we are. And it gets on us. And it holds us in place. And it covers us just like the mud on this sun. But the son has this moment of clarity in his life. Jesus will say it like this, when he came to his senses. And in this moment of clarity, he remembers his old life. And he decides it's time to come back home. And we begin this series of talks with a call to us on our lives that now is the time to come home. Now is the right time. We don't need to wait for, well, is God calling me back? The answer is yes. If you've ever wondered, is God calling me now? The answer is yes. God is calling you. Now is a great time to come back home. However long you've been gone, now is the time to come back home. But for the son to be able to come back home... There was one important concept, one important thing that we needed to understand. We needed to understand forgiveness. The son needed to understand that he needed to be forgiven. And the father needed to understand that he needed to forgive in order for the son to come back home. And so this is where we come to the conclusion of our story. So we're going to read from verse 17 to verse 24 of Luke 15. When he had come to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, got up out of the mud. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The son gets up and heads home. But he knows what he's done. He knows the gravity of the situation. He knows what he said to his dad. He knows that he said, Dad, can we live like you're dead? He knows that he doesn't know what's waiting for him on the other end of this conversation. And so he comes up with a plan. He he comes up with a punishment for himself, so to speak. He's going to go home. But he's not going home as a son. He's going home as a servant. But we find the father watching and waiting for his son to come home because he had made a predetermined faith decision, like we talked about last week. He had made a choice that he knew exactly what he was going to do the moment he saw his son. He didn't wait for that moment. He didn't wait till his son came walking through the door to decide, this is how I'm going to handle this. He didn't wait for the second that he saw his son for the first time to just trust and believe, I'm going to probably do the right thing, but we'll see. He had made a choice that the moment he laid eyes on his son, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to embrace him. I'm going to, to love him. And so the father sees his son. And the son steps up to his dad. And he begins to give the speech that he had been preparing and rehearsing in his head over and over again. Father, I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be your son. But the father just ignores him. Doesn't even address what his son has had to say. His father jumps right into his predetermined faith decision that he had already made, that he was already ready to forgive. Jesus says that the father gives the son five gifts for coming home. He says he's going to give him five things, do five things for him. As the son begins to launch into his his repentant speech of, of, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Can you just give me a job as a servant? The father just steamrolls over what the son has to say, and he does five things for him. First, it said that the father places a robe on his son. Now, a robe was a powerful picture of love and sonship. It was a restoration of the son back into the family. By putting the robe on him, he was saying, you're you're back in the family. But it's also a picture of more than just the restoration of the son. The deep, powerful, loving restoration of his son. See, his father doesn't ask for a robe. He asks for the best robe. He doesn't just say, bring me a robe. I don't know, where's my bathrobe? Something, just grab something to throw it on the boy. He tells his servants, bring me the best robe. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, you can understand the significance of dad giving his son the best robe. And we actually see some parallels between This story and the story in Joseph where the brothers of the guy who gets the best robe aren't always so happy. But the point was, the dad looks at his son, and not only does he welcome him back with a gesture, he does the biggest gesture he can find to invite him back in. Give me the best robe that we can. You're not just welcomed back into the family, but you are lovingly brought back in and restored to not just sonship, but to a place of honored sonship. The next thing he does is he he puts a ring on his finger. The ring was symbolic of power and authority. See, the the father could have brought the son back into the family, but only so far. See, he could have said, well, I'll let you take the last name back, and you can come and live here, and, and you'll be a son, and we put the robe on you, so you know you're welcome back, but only to about here. We're not going to invite you all the way back in yet. You haven't earned that. Maybe you never will. You're not going to get the authority that comes with being part of a family. You will just get the the community that comes with being part of a family. Trust was broken. You need to make this up to me. You need to fix this. You will be able to maybe one day earn it all back. But right now, we're going to welcome you back in, but only this far. And we'll see how it goes. That's not what the father does. He hands him the keys to the family kingdom. He hands him everything. He hands him the family ring. He makes him an heir again. He's fully restored back into who he was. He took his inheritance and lost it all. And the father brings him back in and says, You're an heir again. No strings attached, no bitterness, no, we'll see about this. Third, he gives him new sandals. The son's sandals had been through a lot, they were symbols of everything that had happened to the son. They're probably stained and dirty from the parties. Probably stained and dirty from the stuff that he had done as rebellion against his dad, from the life that he had lived. But on top of those stains, they're probably absolutely filthy from the mud from the pig pen. They're probably tired and beat up from the lonely, long, fearful walk back home but the father removes any and all pieces of the son's former identity all remnants of what happened get him some new sandals not these reminders of what was but some new reminders some reminders of what is see the old has gone but the new has come you're not that guy anymore You're not that guy with those sandals anymore. Now, maybe the last two things don't come across as clearly as gifts. But they're things that the father does for the son that are incredibly significant. The the, the fourth thing the father gives to the son is a sacrificed calf. Now, the forgiveness of the father was one thing... But the sin still needed to be dealt with. See, Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus is telling this story. This is still the old covenant. This is an old covenant understanding story. And something in the old covenant has to happen when somebody sins. Sacrifice needs to be made for sin. Now, who did the sinning? Was it the father or the son? Was the son, right? But who provided the calf? The father. See, the father doesn't say, now, how are you going to pay for your sins? How are you going to pay the penalty for your sins? How are you going to handle this? The father takes on the responsibility of the sin of the son. The father pays the price for the sin the son had committed. The sacrifice for the sin is paid for by the father, not the one who sinned. The son was not asked to pay the price or pay the wages that his sin had earned. Instead, those were paid by somebody else. And the son was merely given the gift Of a new life. And lastly, the father gives the son a celebration dinner and a party to celebrate his return. A celebration that his son was dead and gone, but now has come back home. His life had been given back, and now here he was. No one can question it, no one can wonder it. The son is home. See, he doesn't just forgive him and restore him in his heart. And he doesn't even just forgive him and restore him in his home. He forgives him and he restores him for everyone to see. No shame. No guilt. No subtext. The son is just home. In front of everyone... The father says, my son is back. Now the problem for so many of us is that undoubtedly you may be familiar with this story and what it teaches us about what God is like. I mean, here we have God himself saying, this is what God is like. God telling us what God's heart is for us when we come back to God. But one of the greatest tricks that the devil plays on us is somehow convincing us that this isn't really what God thinks. This isn't really what God feels. This isn't really how God acts. See, like he said to Adam and Eve, is that really what God says? Did he really say that you can just come home and he'll forgive you? Did he really say that he's got grace for your sin? And we end up not wanting to come back home, to come back to God, because we become fearful. We're worried. We've got guilt. We've got shame. Because the enemy allows us to believe that sure, God can forgive them. The Father can forgive the Son in the story. But me, I'm different. God can't. God won't forgive this. What if he's mad at me? What if he punishes me? What if he's angry with me? What if I've gone too far? What if I've done too much? What if the prodigal son pales in comparison to me? I really should try and deal with it on my own. I really should try and fix this before I come back. And that right there, my friends, is how bondage is born. The devil convinces us, you can't come home. Not like that. You stink of pigs. You got mud. You got the other stuff from pig pens all over you. You stink. You're terrible. No one wants to see you like this. Pull yourself together, and then maybe you'll be welcomed home. And we buy into it. Because we know how bad we are. We know how stinky we are. We don't have to be convinced of our own guilt. We have to be convinced of our own value. We have to be convinced of our own worth in the eyes of the Lord. But here we have the incarnation of God himself. Telling us that this is how I, God, see you. This is how I, God, love you. This is what I, God, will do for you when you come home. Come home. Come back to me. God is extending the offer to you. And just like a few weeks ago, it's still time to come home. It's still time to come back. Now is the time. I said that to you a few weeks ago, and maybe you didn't take me up on it, and you think, man, I missed my chance. The pastor said now, and now is not now. That was three weeks ago. Now is still the time. Now is the time to change your future. Because now is the time to change your present. And now is even the time to change your past. You are invited by God. You are welcomed by God. God invites you. Now is the time. All it took for the prodigal son was for him to come to his senses. He realized the mud around him. All we have to do is come to our senses, realize the mud around us, and accept the love of our Father to change us. And to close, I want to take a moment and just look at the transformation that happens in the life of the Son. And hopefully it gives you some hope for what can happen in your life. See, remember the low point of the Son. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pe- or the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was destitute, lost, broken, poor, bankrupt. He was at the lowest point he could find himself. but simply by choosing to open his life to his father again. In a moment, he went from bankrupt to beloved. Broken to beloved. Bound to beloved. Bankrupt to beloved. He had done nothing. He deserved Nothing. When he said, I've sinned against you, I'm not worthy to be called your son, that was accurate. He had told his dad, I want you, we're going to live like you're dead. He no longer has a father, he's no longer the son. He had earned nothing. But the father gave him everything. That he could not have in himself. He came to his father past the point of empty-handed. Empty-handed was long in the rear view. He came to his dad less than nothing. And his father didn't see that. His father doesn't even hear it. His Father just gives him everything. There's one more place in Scripture that I want to look at today and see the invitation, the promise that God has for us today. It's Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Come. There's that invitation again. All you who are thirsty... Don't just come when you have it all together. Don't just come when you're satiated. Don't just come full on everything you could muster for yourself. Come in your time of need. Come when it's not all perfect. Not all great. Not all it needs to be. Come in your thirst. Come when you need something. Come to the waters. And you who have no money. Come in your weakness. Come in your lack. Come when it's not all there. When you cannot provide for yourself. When you cannot do it yourself. When you are unable to do it on your own. When you have no money. Come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come and receive it from me. You are thirsty, you are hungry, and you have no money. But come because I'm going to give it to you. Come and eat without money. Come and receive what you have no right to. Come and receive what you have no option for. Come and receive what you cannot provide for yourself. Come and receive it from me. Verse 2 Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? You can try on your own, you can try your best. You can give it everything you have. You can do all that you can do. But the truth is, at the end of all of that, you're never going to find what you need. Your efforts are efforts. They can only lead us to nothing. Nothing that is ultimately meaningful and satisfying. Our efforts only lead us to mud, to brokenness, to bondage, and to bankruptcy. Why spend your money? Why spend what you do have on what is not ultimately going to feed you? Why give all of your time and effort into something that ultimately isn't going to give you what you're looking for? Listen, listen to me. Listen to my calls to you. To come back home. And when you do, eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. You will go from broken, from bondage, from bankrupt, from the mud, to where you were always meant to be. To where your destiny was always created to be. At home with your Father who loves you and who forgives you. Who will fill your life with everything you need, even the things you cannot do for yourself. We go from bankrupt to beloved. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters... All you who have no money, come and buy and eat, come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and to eat what is, or, and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Friends, we are invited to move from bankrupt to beloved let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your expectation on us is what it is. That you know us so well, you're so intimate with us that you don't ask us to do something we just simply cannot do. You don't ask us to come satisfied. You don't ask us to come with already what we need prepared. You don't ask us to come in anything other than our brokenness, our bondage, and our bankruptcy. God, I thank you that you accept us that way. I thank you that when you invite us to come back home, you don't tell us to go get ourselves out of that pig pen and get cleaned up first. But that in the stink and the filth of the pig pen, we have the picture of you coming, running to hug us and kiss us. And God, I thank you that by your grace and by your mercy, you don't just welcome us like that. But then you transform us. You take us from all that we are not, or all all that we are that we should not be, and you transform us into an heir, into a child of God, into everything that we were created to be. And so, God, my prayer for each one of us today, God, in this moment, would you do two things for us? Would you first illuminate in our lives where we're bankrupt? Illuminate in our lives where we're broken? Illuminate in our lives where we're bound. God, would you show us today where we need your change in our lives? And then, God, I pray that you would give us a sense of hope in those areas. That as you've highlighted for us, this is where you're short, my son. This is where you're short, my daughter. This is where you are not all that you need to be. That we wouldn't be left in fear and shame, or guilt and shame and fear. That we wouldn't somehow just be highlighted what's wrong. But God, would you give us a hope? Because in highlighting it, your invitation stands come. Come to me. We sang it this morning. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Come. Bring yourself to me. Come to your senses and come to me. And I will give you everything you need. God, I pray that you would show us clearly where we need you. And then, God, would you give us such hope because we need you. And your promise to us is that you're going to work in us and through us. Thank you, Jesus, for your work in our lives. Thank you, God, for the love of our Father who invites us back home. Whatever we've done, we are welcomed back home. Thank you, God, for your love in our lives. Thank you, God, for your love in my life. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: October twenty fourth, 2015, I feel like I'm at the hull of a boat in the dark, trying to keep my balance while in rough waters and cold and bare. I want to get to the boat deck and take control of the course. I want to bask in the sun and see the beauty around me. I want to harness the power that makes me feel unsteady. How did I get here? A few people hurt me and I retreated into myself. Then I was judged and further went into myself. I hid so deep inwardly nobody could find me to hurt me. But I healed and grew stronger. I started to look outwardly. I am frustrated and agitated. I feel ready for an amazing personal journey. I am scared and too used to hiding. I am holding myself back and standing in my own way. I want to stay where I'm safe, but I have to let go of fear and hurt. This is where my journey begins. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 61, verse 2. November 1st, 2015. My irritants are numerous. My relaxation techniques are insufficient. I lean on comfort items that distract me from focusing on my journey. Morning until night, life is grueling and relentless. But I don't hate the journey. Rather, I would just like some peace. I'm still at the bottom of the boat, but I'm working up the courage to do something. The battle is in my head. I have all I need. I'm grateful for all I have. I love my life. None of it is perfect. None of it is everything. But what I have, what I'm a part of, I'm happy. I hope I can be an example to my children of letting God into my heart. I don't have any idea what it will look like, but I trust in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus, help. Pick me up and show me the way. Surround me because I am lost and lonely. November 4th, 2015. I am miserable today. I came in contact with a bunch of arrogant people, argumentative, loud, obnoxious, disruptive, harassing, and now I just want to be left alone. I am at the foot of the steps of the boat hall, waiting to take my first step. I am uncomfortable, and the battle in my head is full on. Dear Jesus, I pray for peace and courage. November 11, 2015 The past five days have been the usual. Not enough time in the day to do all the things I need to do. I need some positive energy to face my day with strength and courage. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, verse 10. November 28, 2015. As change starts, as I start on my journey past the point of no return, as I shut the door behind me, as I enter the light from the darkness, I feel agitated and uncomfortable. Even if I wanted to, I can't go back. I feel lost. I pray for a light unto my path. I pray for strength, energy, and resolve. I also mourn what I lost while I was hiding. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. September 12, 2016. Almost a year ago I wrote in my journal that a great personal journey was beginning. A year later I feel so much progress has been made. I want to make sure I have a clear vision of my purpose. The biggest shift is understanding it's not about me. As well, I now understand I need time at the beginning of the day to connect with God. Only then can I start my day. November 15, 2016 In the last year, I've come a long way. I've spent a lot of time reconnecting with God and talking to Him. I feel blessed and full of love, but I work tirelessly to fulfill my purpose. My purpose is clearly to bring God's love to the earth every day through acts of kindness great and small. I expect another year will pass in the blink of an eye, and I hope to continue to grow my relationships and grow in discipline and focus on His plan for me. Daily Prayer, 2017. Dear Father in heaven, I dedicate this day to your glory. I renounce fear, shame, guilt, and stress in my life and the stronghold it had over my life in the powerful name of my Lord, my Savior, my Healer, my King, Jesus Christ, Son of God. I walk with the Holy Spirit in freedom, victory, and wholeness. I choose to love all God's children because mercy triumphs over judgment. I pray for wisdom, strength, and endurance in my roles. I pray for a special blessing of safety, peace, and meaning for my family. Let Christ's light shine through me. Easter 2018 Today I may not understand, but I know my God is faithful. I can place my trust in Him. April 6, 2018 I thank God for the slow and steady deepening of our relationship. In seeing my weakness as control and distraction, I've been able to understand that God is my source and I just have to trust Him and keep refocusing on Him. I feel I've been tested in many ways, especially the last six months. I can't say it's all been good or that I'm proud of how I handled it, but I can say I trusted God. August 16, 2019. My priority has to be aligning my values with my actions through prayer. I can't do it on my own or I would have done it already. I surrender to jesus christ my savior my lord my protector my redeemer my friend my healer my king lord take this broken body and sinful spirit and make me whole i am nothing without you fill every imperfection with your perfection examine me O god and know my mind test me and discover my thoughts find out if there is any evil in me and guide me in the everlasting way Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. April 17,
2: 2021. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thanks for
0: listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go hillsideairdry.ca is our website and you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at hillside you can also look us up on youtube and find all of our messages on apple podcasts if you would like to connect to the pastoral team at hillside you can do that through our website hillsideairdry.ca and click on about us in the main menu and then click on our pastors we're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of jesus christ with our community in airdry and with you today At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go.
2: Makes your goodness that much harder too.